The title of this sermon is The Joy of Camping. <laughs> when we were married in 1972, my aunt sent us a check for 30 pounds. We went to Blacks of Greenock and we bought ourselves a tent, Van Gogh Force 10 tent. I was glad to see in pictures of one of the Everest expeditions that they took our tent up nearly to the top of Everest. It was and is, for we still have it, and I did think of erecting it in the courtyard as a visual aid. It's a great tent. And we survived hurricane force winds and torrential downpours. We took our tent and we went down to Cornwall. We went to North Wales, to Snowdonia. We went up to Iona, where it rained almost the entire time. And it watched over us and kept us dry and warm. Van Gogh Force 10. If you want to buy one now, they cost 400 pounds uh, and it's worth every penny. <laughs> so camping is a lot of fun and it gives you flexibility to go places that you might not otherwise go. Also, I should say that other people's tents that we went camping with leaked like sieves and they had to move in with us. <laughs> when I first came to this diocese, I went hiking with a group called Second Winders. This is a group put together by the Episcopal churches of the South Bay. And we went to the Sierras, about 15 of us in a group. And we hiked each day in the Sierras and we camped each night beside a lake, and those people who had the patience to go fishing pulled out golden trout, uh, which uh, uh, they came and stocked the lakes with. At night, uh, I liked to sleep in the open when it wasn't raining, and I could hear the wind in the trees, and in August, I could see the shooting stars firework display that went on all night. No credit card, nothing to buy, no civilization, no cell phones, no texting, no one to bother you. Above 10,000 feet, the air was thin, the sky was blue, the lake water was clear and stopped with all of those trout. For 40 years, the children of Israel went camping, camping out in the wilderness under the leadership of Moses. They were nomads moving from pasture to pasture with their flocks, like the Bedouin of today in the Arabian Peninsula. And that time they always remembered, if they remembered anything at all, was the formative time in their nation's history. It was the time they remembered when they were closest to God. Now comes a Hebrew lesson. The Hebrew for wilderness is midbar, and the Hebrew for a word is deber. And midbar is derived from deber 
because they knew that the wilderness is the place where you hear the word, the debair of God. In the wilderness, God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, to Elijah at Horeb, and to the children of Israel when they wandered in the wilderness. They could hear because they were not distracted by the trappings of civilization. As pilgrims, they were all equal, not some rich and some poor, not some dressed up in fancy clothes and some in rags, all of them equal and equally fed with manna from heaven and water from the rock. The wilderness was the place where all of nature was in perfect harmony. By contrast, cities are places of hurrying, of rushing and crime. Some get ahead and take advantage of those who are behind. There are traffic jams and nowhere to park, and the air is often polluted by ozone or noise or light, and cities can easily be seen as places of chaos. Not so the wilderness. The prophets reminded the Israelites of their time in the wilderness. They did not need the trappings of civilization and of settled living that they adopted when they arrived in the promised land. But the people, according to the prophets, rebelled and were blinded by the accoutrements of the surrounding na uh, nations. They wanted, for example, they wanted a king, because the other people had kings. So when you have a king, you have a court, you have servants, you have a standing army, everything goes to hell. And then on the other hand, they wanted a temple, because everybody else has a temple, seems like a good thing. It's a sexy idea, having a temple. But uh, when David said, I'm going to build me a temple, Nathan came to him and says, not, not so, not so quick. God spoke to me in a dream and said, did I have a temple when you wandered in the wilderness? You had a tent, not a Van Gogh tent, but a, a bigger tent, presumably. But you had a tent, and it was enough. They didn't drink wine in the wilderness, not because they were teetotal, but because, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it takes three or four years for a vine to produce grapes, and they never stayed in one place long enough for the grapes to grow. So they never had wine. And ever afterwards, there were some radical people in Israel who continued not to drink wine. These people were called Rechabites, and others were called Nazarites, like Samson, who with the shaggy hairdo, and uh, Samuel was a Nazarite, and he didn't drink wine either. Nothing wrong with drinking wine as long as you stay in the same place long enough. Moses warned the people, the children of Israel, not to be arrogant and say to themselves, my power and my might of my own hand have gained me my wealth. A lot of me's. Don't say that. 
said Moses. But when they got into the promised land, that's the way that they were. One of those prophets who warned them when they arrived was Amos, who we heard about in the first reading this morning. One of the prophets, one of several, who harked back to the time in the wilderness as a blessed time. Amos was appalled by the corruption of the people. It was not just that they took advantage of the poor and the vulnerable. As he said, they sold the poor for a pair of shoes. It was their lavish lifestyle that got to him. Alas for those we heard read, for those who are at ease in Zion and for those who feel secure on the Mount Samaria. They lounged around on beds of ivory in big, large homes, gated communities. They sang idle songs, they drank bowls of wine, and they anointed themselves with the finest perfumes. Watch out, said Amos. You'll be the first ones to be carted off into exile, punished for what you are doing here, for forgetting the wilderness. And so it happened, 40 years after Amos, along came Sargon II, the king of the uh, uh, Syrians, and took them all off into exile. And then we come to Luke, the gospel for this morning, about having the right attitude towards wealth and property. It's more of the same from what we heard last week. The warning of Jesus, you cannot serve both God and mammon. You're going to have to make a choice, and there is only one choice. This week, we hear the story of Dives and Lazarus. Dives, obviously, if he had ever known it, had long since forgotten about the wilderness. He had a lavish lifestyle. He wore purple clothes, dyed with purple dye, which is very expensive and very lavish, and it's what kings wear. And it was a good way to impress his neighbors, and so also was the fact that every day he had a sumptuous feast. Well, we have feasts now and then, but not every day, and whereas um, uh, the Israelites in the wilderness drank no wine, they were now consuming buckets of the stuff, far too much, uh, forgetting that there was no wine in the wilderness. I think that Lazarus is the central character in this story. Poor Lazarus, who has nothing, who is a wilderness type, who sits at the door of Dives' house, homeless and starving. Life for him, as Thomas Hobbes, the philosopher, said, was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short, as you will remember. No wonder his life expectancy was short. And then comes a reversal. And Luke likes reversals right from the beginning of the gospel. Remember what Mary sang when she sang the Magnificat. Uh, that uh, um, the Lord has put down the mighty from their seat and has exalted the humble 
and the meek. It would have been better if Dives had taken to heart the lessons of the wilderness and instead uh, there is a global warning, warming in Hades and he is roasting there and that's not only where he is but where all his family is going to end up as well. And we too would do well to learn the lesson of the wilderness. There in the wilderness we need to have time to listen to the word of God. There will be no ostentatious lifestyle, no claiming, I did it myself, mine, all mine, no haughtiness in bragging. And as we heard in the epistle, we are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And thus we will lay up treasure for the future and take hold of life that really is life. Amen.